Hello, I'm Philip Stoughton, and this is the Supply Chain Intelligence Show, a Scoop Studio production for Nexar, an LTM company. Each month with Dan Schoenfelder, I'll be digging into the data provided in the monthly Spectra Electronic Design and Delivery Index, affectionately known as EDI. We'll be talking to special guests from the industry to find out if the data in the report matches the sentiment on the street. Today's special guest is Akel Altikar, founder and CEO of Omnix, who provides simple, fast and affordable software to run supply chains. Akel's got vast experience advising companies on supply chains in the various roles he's had in EMS and, and supply chain consulting sector. Before we talk to Akil, Dan, let's look at the key findings from this month, starting with the good news. Supply and demand indexes are closing in on each other, and the supply index has passed the 100 mark. Parity pre-COVID, I think? Yeah, so I, I think what we're seeing is kind of this realization of the trend that most of us thought were on the, was on the horizon for the last mm. year. So we've been hearing from thought leaders throughout the industry that uh, that supply chains would be loosening, that uh, available supply would be increasing. And what we are wondering, I think, was a trend, uh, if it was a trend throughout uh, the summer months, is now proving to, to truly be that. As you mentioned, the, the overall supply index for Eddy has, uh, has actually exceeded the baseline of January of 2020. But I would, I would caution that and temper it somewhat and that there are pockets of supply that just remain extremely mm. constrained. Microcontrollers is a great example of a, of a category that still is, has a very uh, depressed supply index. I believe mm. it's, in, uh, uh, it's somewhere in the 30s relative to, again, the, the 100, which is the baseline of January 2020. So there, there are values uh, of componentry that's still extremely difficult to obtain right now. But on a whole, the market is showing signs of, uh, of supply increasing. Yeah. And as we as we move to that balance, it's really interesting, Dan, people I talked to have said, yeah, it's easing up. But, you know, if it's coming in from 72 weeks to 52 weeks, it's still not here for a good while. And it's still having a big impact on what we can deliver as a as a business. The demand side seems to be leveling out, would you say? Yeah, I, th- I think this is uh, this is part of the total picture that we're seeing here right now is, is precisely that. We aren't seeing commensurate moves on the supply and the demand side of the equation. What we're seeing is that demand for most categories remains elevated. It's not uh, decreasing at, uh, at the same rate the supply is increasing yet. Uh, but uh, but I expect to see that uh, that that demand is going to going to continue to decline in the subsequent months. We are seeing, as I mentioned, some categories are still seeing very elevated levels of demand. Certainly, integrated circuits are, are one of those categories, but we're seeing others like, uh, in general, passive devices are some that are are, are seeing demand drop precipitously uh, at this point in time. So, so I think it's going to be really interesting to see how these indexes mm. play out over the coming months. But right now, at, at a whole, demand does remain remain pretty stable. Yeah, and it looks stable around that kind of 150 mark overall, doesn't it? And that that feels like maybe that's a new baseline for us. It'll be interesting to see over the next two or three months. I think that's why these indexes and this trend data is so valuable and so 
Um, so interesting. As we dig in further, I wanted to bring Akil in. As I mentioned, Akil has a software company that he's been working with for some considerable time. He helps a lot of companies out on their supply chain. Prior to Omnix, he was advising some very large OEMs uh, on supply chain design and how to manage their supply chain and assist in them. So Akil, thank you so much for being available to us today and thank you for joining us. You've, I guess, taken a brief look at the report. What are your what are your initial thoughts? Thank you, Phil. Thank you, Dan. Thanks for having me here. Fantastic report. I think uh, as I was looking through it exactly to Dan's point, I think something that we were thinking that could be happening in terms of you know, supply being more manageable and more, you know, more availability on the upstream supply chains. I think we are seeing that happen uh, across the board, bearing few, few categories, few components, uh, so to say, as as Dan was mentioning. So, uh, from from where I stand and where Omnix is working with and what our customers are facing, we have seen a similar trend uh, in in that direction. If we look at the end to end supply chain. So as uh, Dan was mentioning on the on the upstream supply side, what I've seen on the downstream supply chain is that the inventory, warehousing and transportation, if we take these three areas as the connectors and the link all the way down to the end consumers, we are seeing that there is some growth in terms of inventory, in terms of uh, the warehousing capacity but the growth is slowing down and we, it's not what we have seen uh, in the past. So there is definitely some slowdown that we are seeing. Uh, one mm-hmm. interesting, uh, the recent uh, logistics managers index that was published in September for September, what we saw was that the transportation prices are contracting at a much higher rate. At the same time, the inventory levels are higher and the inventory cost is higher. Of course, inventory cost is also driven by what we are seeing as increased in um, interest rates. So that's mm-hmm. definitely going to go up. And also there is a factor of the upcoming holiday season. So all companies have pretty much stocked up for the upcoming season. And I think it will be very interesting what's going to happen and how this season really turns out to be and the data that comes out of uh, the holiday season is going to really set the stage in terms of, okay, what do we see and what's going to happen next year? Clearly, there is softness, which we are observing from a demand perspective. Uh, most of our customers are seeing that as well. Uh, the lead times, if I look at the inbound lead times from a transportation perspective, logistics perspective, they have decreased. Uh, we are not looking at that kind of a shortage or bottlenecks at the ports. Overall, I think there is a trend in that direction considering the consumer Mm -hmm. demand, but it's extremely hard to see that in terms of what could be happening 2023. And I think the holiday season is definitely going to give us a lot more data. Dan, it's really interesting that Akil brings up the topic of inventory because inventory is a big challenge at the moment, not just from a point of view of the companies that are having to manage it. They're having to, as you say, stock up for the holiday season, but they've been stocking up all year because they've got a lot of work in progress there. They're trying to protect their customers, particularly if they're if they're contract manufacturers. How much does that buffer of inventory affect what we can see in terms of visibility in the data? Because it's kind of creating a, a, a gray box between supply and demand, I guess, Dan. 
Yeah, I, I think this explains some of why you're not seeing commensurate uh, gains and losses in the two mm. supply and demand indices at this time. You know, without question, uh, stockpiling of inventory was a common practice over the last couple of years uh, to protect revenue predictability for most mm -hmm. organizations. And it's something that uh, is going to play a role in how these indices reflect reality on the ground over, over the coming months. I think it'll be very interesting to see where do we arrive at the, what is, what is the new baseline? Mm -hmm. I think right now it's too early to, to say exactly what that, what that new reality will be. I think we'll, we'll need several more months of data to, to figure that out. But there are certain market trends that are undeniable that, uh, that are going to continue to keep the demand for componentry relatively high. The proliferation mm. of electronics within our daily lives, within our work lives as well, too, is something that, uh, that without question is going to continue. How does that impact the new yeah. normal? And how does that then manifest itself in the data that we see will be a really interesting trends to see in the coming months. Yeah, and that data becomes hugely valuable as a result of that. And that's the other thing from Akil's comments I wanted to touch on, Akil. You talked about softening demand. And interestingly, you probably talk to a lot more OEMs than I do, and you work directly with OEMs. I tend to spend a lot of my time talking to contract manufacturers. And they are curiously waiting for the softening in demand and still seeing quite strong order books, still seeing positive book to bills. Um, in their sector and wondering where that's going to hit. On the OEM basis, you're already seeing a softening in demand? There is. There is a demand softening there. But it's an interesting point that also Dan uh, mentioned. Even if the existing products and what's coming really is, is, is there is there would be softness. It's not happening now. It may happen you know, a few months, six, eight months down the road. But what's interesting is there are several other factors in play here. Look at the speed and the acceleration of hardware development that we have seen mm. over the past four or five years. This is not just to do with COVID, right? I mean, this there was huge investment that was that, that went in when it came to accelerating the hardware development. So even if we are seeing this softness, and we will see that, I think, I think there will be, whether it's new categories, new product lines, um, that will fill up um, that that gap, not entirely, mm -hmm. uh, because the products are being developed at such breakneck speed. And that is going to be pretty interesting. So if we think, I mean, 20 plus years in supply chain, never a dull day, right? <laughs> we have, <laughs> it, it has been that way. And now we are seeing probably, at least personally for me, the the best example of bullwhip effect that we are seeing here. So yeah. what happens is that for the ripples to settle down, it'll take some time. But considering the other factors in play in terms of the hardware acceleration, in terms of new financial models and you know buy now, pay later, which is pumping up the demand, mm. uh, social media, which is pumping up, it is extremely difficult to see that, okay, is this gonna, this bullwhip effect is gonna just, you know, kind of settle down or are we going to see something else? So 20 years, yes, interesting. It's going to get a lot more interesting as we go forward because yeah. I think softness is just temporary, I would say. Yeah. Uh, there will be something else that's going to definitely fill this up. I think it's really interesting, Akhil, 20 years of um, interesting days in the supply chain, mainly in the back office. But now I think supply chain managers are the rock stars of the industry. They're the people that the journalists are 
phoning up to get quotes from. We're seeing more and more companies really promoting the role of chief supply chain officer, and it's fundamental. And I, I, I listened to a um, uh, a presentation recently talking about the different types of CEOs that businesses have, and you know, sometimes it's technologists, sometimes it's marketers. Now they're telling me that supply chain skills are one of the most important things for CEOs to have and to understand within um, within the way they manage the manage their business. So I think that's fascinating. I just wanted to touch a little bit more on the demand side. The talk from economists is that there is some kind of recession or some kind of leveling out on the horizon, partly because it just happens every seven years and it's now close to 14 years since the last one. Um, So it may well be we've missed one. We seem to be bouncing from one disruption to the other. Do you think the particularly the contract manufacturing industry should be more worried than it is? Or do you think those counter signals that Dan mentioned and that you mentioned, like you know, more new products coming through with electronics in it. You know, we haven't talked about EVs, but that's obviously contributing quite substantially. Most renewable energy requires some electronic manufacturing in it. Do you think maybe the electronics industry as an industry will suffer a lot less than other industries, even if it's a short-term recession? I'd like to think that the electronics industry as a whole is is one that is, I wouldn't say it's recession-proof, but it certainly is going to be more resilient than other sectors of the economy. Mm-hmm. Certainly, the, the trends that we've talked about here are, are something that uh, there are considerations there. But without without question, I think if if, if we start to see a, a real softening for the demand of consumer products, we'll feel that effect in the components industry. Yeah. It'll be present in the data that we see. I'd be more concerned about the consumer side of things at this point mm-hmm. uh, in the short term than uh, than than any other types of products. Yeah, yeah, than industrial or automotive. You can care there, Akil? Absolutely, yes. I think uh, definitely in terms of renewables, EVs, that sector will play strong. Mm. The electronics will have some softness. I mean, direct, direct consumer electronics. Industrial infrastructure, infrastructure, I think it's going to be very, very interesting. Of course, with the you know 5G that was rolled out and there will be other models that will be mm. Coming to the back end of that, that's going to come forward uh, over the next uh, couple of years. So I think that that industry will, uh, again, by no means recession proof, but a lot more resilient as Dad mentioned. Absolutely, I can cover that. So as always in the contract manufacturing space, it, it matters what industry you're in. And it matters if you've got a good spread across multiple industries. I think what also matters at the moment in the EMS industry is geography. And we're seeing some shakeups there. And I'm curious what you think about the recent news of Apple moving some of its production to India. We're seeing maybe a tendency for some companies to decouple a little little bit with China. Are you seeing that in terms of demand from your customer base, Akil? The whole reshoring, regionalization, nearshoring, whatever you want to call it, uh, I think that's a very, very interesting play. Specific to Apple moving to India, I think it's risk mitigation considering... Mm. The, the all China strategy. So China plus one is definitely coming up. But it is very interesting. Personally, if you ask me, I think the challenges that most of the OEMs are going to face is that the supply chains are stretched. That's that's the that's the reality right now. 
uh, with you know low cost uh, manufacturing in in Asia, wherever you whether you are in China, Vietnam, Thailand, India doesn't matter, but it is stretched. The other factor that's also playing a role is that are these going to be the centers of manufacturing for that region? Absolutely, that makes sense. But then if you look at it, I think the regionalization is definitely taking a strong hold uh, in terms of the investments that's going in in, the, in that space. And it is beneficial. It is important because if we think about the speed at which the consumer moves and how the supply chain has to move or the business is moving and the supply chain has to move with that, let's be honest, unless you are flying or have a teleportation some sort of a star trek kind of a technology to move your goods in a in a second you have a long long supply chain so that's going to be a challenge so regionalization will be a focus i it's not going to be an exodus from china i don't believe that no but i don't there will be certain sectors that will be looking at regionalize, regionalizing to better serve the end markets and mitigate risks dan is fascinating i i occasionally go and look back at interviews I did at trade shows 10 years ago and we were talking about regionalization in those interviews 10 years ago and we're still talking about it and we're still looking for the right term for it whether it's reshoring right shoring all these all these different onshoring terms but it's certainly a factor at the moment and I wonder if it's affecting impact and whether within your data and I know it's possible with um, with Nexar to to drill down into more data for your specific customers but whether within your data you're able to see some of those regional variations we, we do we mostly see it manifested in seasonality at this mm-hmm. point in time we're not seeing uh, large shifts in supply and demand from a regional perspective or adoption from users from from one region that is an outlier at this point in time but but there are some some geopolitical considerations when it comes to the usage of our tools and and the adoption of our tools over the last uh, over the last I would say uh, six to nine months that is certainly we are seeing some of that in in our data. But it's more of really highly specific trends to, to really specific geographies. Certainly, Russia, Belarus, Ukraine come to mind mm. uh, when we're talking about that. We do see it in pockets in the industry, but I would say the major sources of consumer demand are ones that have remained pretty consistent throughout the pandemic. Yeah, that makes sense. And obviously, both of you guys are very data-driven. I see that when we're in such a disruptive environment, we have been for some considerable time, it looks pretty certain that disruption is is something we're going to have to live with in the, in the long term. How important is data and what advice would you give to people trying to manage complex supply chains? And we'll use this as a as a wrap up for today's session. Akil, let's start with you. You know, you're you're all about providing data, providing real time data to your customers um, to help them manage it, manage their supply chain. All customers, the businesses, especially, you know, when we're looking at supply chain and working with our customers, um, data is where it all starts gaining insights from that data, using that data in a right way in terms of making the right decisions forward-looking is very, very important. And I think there is a few few points I would like to mention here is that it's not about predicting the future. Uh, you may get there, you may not, but it's not going to be accurate, that's for sure. But it's knowing what you need to know today so you can take mm-hmm. meaningful actions today. That's that's where the data plays a role. As we are seeing, you know, past six months and the trends as they are evolving, I think it's also important to look back of 
what similar events had occurred in the past and what was the impact of that. Uh, of course, things have changed and the whole world has changed since then, but that's that's where data plays a role. But having those insights, taking that data and understanding, and it's all around the decision support. It's not about finding the right solution, but understanding what if I go plan A, plan B, plan C, what will be the impact, right? What are the trade-offs? And having the tools, the means, and the process to make those decisions quickly, and those are data-driven decisions, that's what we emphasize on. It's not mm-hmm. about implementing any, uh, you know, I, I always say you cannot move from spreadsheets to AI in, in overnight, right? Wonder. You have to go through that process. Uh, you cannot just say that, okay, let's just implement a piece of software. Software is not the end. It's means to an end. The mm-hmm. end is important. So as we are moving forward and the uncertainty is going to probably get worse, it's important that you have a playbook, a framework mm-hmm. in terms of how you want to operate. And this is a good time actually to work on that playbook in terms of where you want to make the decisions, how would you mitigate those risks, where do you need to upskill, re- reskill your people and your team. And and then from a software perspective, how do you go it step by step? So yeah. that's that's the way I would put it. And data plays a big role in it, but there is a stepwise approach of how you want to really go using that. Yeah, data providing insight, and that insight needs to be part of the whole strategic approach for the for the business. You need to completely align those. Dan, last word from you. Obviously, within your group, you're providing the Eddie report, which is a great really appreciated piece of data that you supply to the market for free but it's also possible to drill down in in massively more detail and your customers are finding that really useful tell me a bit a, a little bit about that process briefly yeah so we make public a, a small number of categories to provide that insight into where the industry is heading as a whole but we can drill down into 10 years of data across 300 different categories So we have a lot of market intelligence on both that supply and demand side of things. And I'd love to add on to just one thing that Akhil said about, um, you know, having a playbook. I think one of the things that uh, that's been a silver lining of the last several years, the pandemic has been that it's, it's, it's been a catalyst for innovation. And I would say it's, it's to companies out there that are developing their playbook of how do they think about their business tomorrow? There never has been a time when there's more data accessible to you than right now. And I think finding the right partners for that information and figuring out what are the best signals to Mm -hmm. to accompany how you manage your business is a critical aspect to developing that playbook. And uh, we like to think that we have some some really useful tools on that front, but... uh, um, but uh, but yeah, absolutely. I think Akil is is, is spot on when it comes to uh, to how to plan and think about things. It's absolutely the case of figuring out what you want to do with the data, because if you don't do that, it's just data. It's just raw information. So as you say, figure out what those signals are, figure out who best to partner with to get those signals. And Akil, from your point of view, figure out what you're going to do with those signals, figure out how you're going to respond to them, look at what's happened um, historically and use those to make better, faster decisions that have a positive impact on the business. Guys, fantastic insight today. Great discussion. Thanks so much for running through the data with us and sharing insight from the street at the same time. Dan, I'll see you in a month. Akil, we'll catch up soon. Maybe we'll talk again after this weekend's match since your team's playing my team. Um, and We can be friends again next week. Absolutely. Thanks, Thanks so much for your time today, guys. Thanks. Thank you.
Subscribe now to get these valuable insights delivered to your inbox monthly.